and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. And if it's your first time, welcome. And if, if you are a repeat listener, welcome back. And I just want to remind everyone listening that uh, if you missed any of the previous episodes, the last 10, I believe, are up on the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart page right here on TalkingAlternative.com. And even further back episodes are on the iTunes, on my iTunes page under Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart in the podcast section. Okay, so um, a couple of weeks ago, I sent out a tweet uh, just to see what people really wanted to know more about and what they really wanted to hear on the show. And I did get an overwhelming number of people wanting to know more about the business side of physical therapy. And so we've got a, a, a lot of information to get through today. So that being said, I'm thrilled to have on the show two great physical therapists, Jerry Durham and Larry Benz. So Dr. Benz is the president and CEO of PT Development LLC, a private equity firm and a partner in EIM, which is Evidence in Motion, Texas Physical Therapy Specialist, Pro Rehab PC, Fit for Work and Breakthrough Rehab. And he is nationally recognized for his expertise in private practice physical therapy and occupational medicine. He has been on the APTA's advisory panel on practice, the board of Ameri- the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties, and a trustee with the Foundation for Physical Therapy, uh, Physical Therapist Business Alliance, and the University of Louisville, which I, I believe he is with the team right now, and, and I think their game is tonight. Um, and he is also the co-developer of physicaltherapist.com and a blog, blog.evidenceemotion.com, the first and largest blog devoted to the principles of evidence-based practice in physical therapy. And Jerry Durham has been a physical therapist for 22 years. 13 years ago, he started a solo practice. And then 12 years ago, he's fortunate enough to have his future partner, Sturdy McKee, contact him about partnering and combining their practices with the plan of future growth. And Jerry has found a passion to be the sales and marketing marketing side of his practice, along with the business development component, and he is the principal at San Francisco Sport and Spine Physical Therapy. So, gentlemen, a big welcome to you both, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Karen. Great to be here. Great, great. Thank you, Karen. You should have, you should have read my bio first. What's that? You should have read my bio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So, so let's, you know, there's obviously there was a lot of tweeting going on back and forth over the last couple days on, on what people really wanted to hear. But, um, first I'd like to kind of, well, and we'll get to a lot of those listener questions in a little bit, because I've had, I've got a lot, actually, a lot of people have questions for you guys. So be prepared. Some of them, you know, some of them you don't. So I'll give you time to think on them. Um, but first I'd like to expand on sort of a phrase that I think that was sent out a couple weeks ago. I think Jerry uh, brought it up, but um, sort of having an evidence-based business to have an evidence-based practice. So if you guys could expand on that and sort of what are your definitions of an evidence-based practice and what are the key elements that needs to be present? So either one of you can, can start. I'll let you start, Larry, if you don't mind. I think you've got no, a lot more insight into this. <laughs> well, not at all. I, I think, I think uh, first of all, the concepts are very similar, and that is that underlying uh, decision-making and processing are the basis of, you know, evidentiary science, which essentially means that, you know, there's a hierarchy 
of evidence, everything from, you know, expert opinion to single case review to a meta-analysis and systematic review being the highest level of evidence. Well, the, the medical sciences have fortunately been uh, very progressive uh, over, over the last, uh, oh, at least about 10 years mm -hmm. now of defining those. So in physical therapy, that really means looking at the key, you know, referral diagnosis. Uh, and, in, and in my world, that's mostly the musculoskeletal conditions of mm -hmm. uh, cervical, lumbar, low back pain, um, upper extremity, you know, dysfunction, knee, you know, problems, and, and really defining and crystallizing the best available current research for that. Evidence-based business is much the same. Uh, just as there is underlying science behind medical decision making, there is a you know abundance of research from everything uh, in business relative to strategic planning processing, for example, um, how one systematizes their practice, uh, the whole concept of benchmarking and best practices and those kind of things. So the idea is that you you try to use as best as possible the best current evidence based on kind of a, uh, the leading academic and clinical uh, practices and, and move forward with that. And, you know, what, in, and so you guys have, have had successful careers as physical therapists and, and to this day, and, and, and you both have a lot of uh, experience in, a pri in private practice and in running a business. So, you know, as, like you said, uh, Going by the sort of evidence-based business model, what what are your what are the things that you guys feel stand out as being most important when uh, looking at your business from an evidence-based perspective? And and what advice can you give to someone based on your experience? Um, so it's Jerry. Uh, you know, Larry, Larry and I definitely come from two different backgrounds as far as how we achieved our evidence-based uh, business knowledge, shall we say. Mm -hmm. from, my, from my experience, um, what I really talked to people about was, was the very, very, very first step was finding a mentor. And uh, Monique Peru threw this out last night, really made me think about this too. Um, a, a mentor, and when I say a mentor... Oh, I originally seeked out other physical therapists, mm -hmm. and it was okay, uh, physical therapist business people, and it was okay for a while. But, you know, w with our lack of business training in most 99.999% of all physical therapists, basically it hit a cap there. Mm -hmm. And really, really when I went outside of the profession and just started seeking out successful business people, mm -hmm. And these were people that had started their own businesses, whether it was, uh, you can name any industry, mm -hmm. uh, anything. It was just that they were successful there. Once I started getting more information from them and finding out how they were running their businesses and then again applying those models and those systems in place mm -hmm. was really uh, when we started taking off. And then, you know, there, there were a lot of other things down the line. Joining Entrepreneurs Organization for someone like me was huge. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in a group of 100 other business owners. Uh, by the way, no physical therapists, no medical people yep. in there except for Sturdy and I. And, mm -hmm. and that was a huge step. And then, you know, uh, Larry has EMI right now, which which needs to get a huge plug because up until the EMI 
started, that there was nowhere to go within our profession to work with other physical therapists to give business training. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the big reason when you threw this topic out. I said that you have to talk to Larry is because right. of what he's put together for evidence-based uh, business practices. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think, what do you guys think about, and, and this was also kind of on, on Twitter, uh, I think maybe yesterday, but do you think that there is, there should be more in physical therapy school directed toward running a business versus, you know, just the content that we learn? Because I know, I mean, I graduated a while ago, but there is nothing about you know, running a business or being a successful business person as a physical therapist. It was just content. So do you think that's something that should change? And well, I'll, you know, it's a, that's a, it's a great, it's a great question. It's a difficult one to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd first like to say, you know, in terms of evidence-based, whether it be business practice or clinical practice, I mean, what, what tends to resonate with people is I like to use the words, being the odds in your favor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what evidence does. It doesn't guarantee you a successful outcome, but it you know puts the odds in your favor. And you have to have sort of this mindset of being the seeker of the truth. You know, wherever that bias comes down, um, you know, that's what's sifting through evidence and sifting through kind of the filter of all the different buzzwords and trends that you see out there. Um, in terms of physical therapy, <laughs> clinical education and practice, it's, it's uh, a difficult topic because on the one hand you want to educate PTs uh, and familiarize them with everything from compliance to understanding reimbursement Mm -hmm. insurance trends and the like Um, but there's you know the the greatest percentage of therapists that graduate don't enter unfortunately from my view don't enter private practice so you have to be sensitive to that I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day um, we need a we need a significant change in the way we educate PTs anyhow, and right. moving a good portion of it into the clinic, where they will have options and optional tracks, and certification tracks, and, and uh, practice management. I think um, you know certainly resonates to the to the young PTs that I talk to about this who are desiring uh, a more of an option of, of that type of apprenticeship model. Yeah, and and that goes back to what Jerry just said. You know, finding a mentor. You know, and and wouldn't it be nice if there were more and more mentors within the physical therapy profession like you guys who are having who have these successful private practices that an up and coming PT can mentor with? You know, it would be nice to like Jerry said, he went outside of his outside of the PT profession. And I've done the same. You know, I do this. I belong to all these entrepreneurial groups and things like that. And I am the only physical therapist in there. You know, and but it would be nice to sort of have that mentor of a physical therapist because they they really sort of obviously know the ins and outs of of running a physical therapy business versus just a business. Do you know what I mean? No, that's correct. And and the mentorship model, you know, I think, uh, you know, it it, it works. It it works quite well. You know, one of the things that uh, one of the most proud changes that I've seen happen um, and hopefully it's played a role in it uh, along with some, just some tremendous leadership that we've had within the private practice section uh, is is really, I mean, I started private practice in the day when, you know, I, I still remember coming home and telling my dad at the time I was living, I said, you know, Dad, I'm going to be under private practice. He said, well, who are your biggest enemies? I said, well, you're not going to believe this. The biggest enemies aren't people outside the profession. They're within the profession. Mm. They're my colleagues. <laughs> and one of the great changes that I've seen, you know, uh, stemming from a lot of good former 
presidents of the private practice section like um, Steve Anderson and Tom DeAngelis is that the private practice community is talking to one another now and yeah. collaborating in a big, major way, both through internal organizations and internal networking, but also through the YPO groups, the Vistage groups, the EYO groups that uh, Jerry referred to. And so, you know, part of, part of our mission really is to create a collective community of the networking where we're all facilitating and working with one another. That's the main sort of uh, goal we've had underneath uh, a private practice uh, you know, management group is, one, we only exclusively allow people who are in private practice, mm-hmm. and not these wannabe private practices that are you know, really part of public companies and stuff, but people who are truly in the profession are truly owned and, and controlled by private practitioners, getting, talking to one another, creating subgroups, creating informal and formal mm-hmm. networking, and I think I think we're we're all benefiting uh, by those changes. Right, and and you're talking about physical therapy owned private practices. That's correct. Right, not just so that people listening, so not like a you know a physician owned private practice or you know an outpost of a hospital. That kind of a thing. Right. Okay. So we're going to take a break. But before we do, I got a good question. I have a couple of, I know you guys saw a couple of questions on on Twitter over the last couple of days, but I had some other questions too that people um, really wanted to know. So I'm going to ask you the question before we go to the commercial break. So you have like some time to think on it. Um, So one of the questions is from Erica Mello. She's a physical therapist here in New York City. And she said that during the PPS meeting in Vegas last year, uh, Peter Sheehan talked about two avenues for our industry in order for us to survive going forward, taking the ACO route or becoming niche-oriented. With regards to the niche, what niches have you guys seen specifically open up in our field? So I'll just sort of have you guys think on that one. So again, with regards to the niche industries, what niches have you really seen open up? And um, we'll get the answer to that question when we come right back after this commercial break. So everybody stay tuned. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you confused about which diet is right for you? Are you tired of being tired? How about improving your energy, strength, and appearance? Hi, I'm Rika Keck, a holistic nutrition and wellness consultant. If you have answered yes to any of my questions, contact me now at nyintegratedhealth.com or at 646-285-8588. Initiate change and transform your life. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. 
Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today in our Business for Physical Therapy talk by physical therapists Jerry Durham and Larry Benz. So, guys, I gave you sort of the uh, question last time uh, before we went for break is, what niches have you seen specifically open up in our field? Um, So I'll have Jerry. Do you want to kind of take this one first? Sure. Okay. Um, I think... uh that keynote was, uh, it was it was timely and interesting, um, and I commend PPS for, shall we say, going outside of the box a little bit on that and searching out um, some people outside of the industry once again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was very timely. Um, by the way, for the record, Larry and I definitely differ on one thing today for sure, and that's the uh, potential winner of tonight's basketball Okay, game. now so see, I was saving that. I would, that was going to be my last big important question of the interview. Well, was it, going to be, gonna who right is going to win I tonight? everybody knows where Larry stands. I tend to root for a different color. Um, so, uh, and I think what I was going to, so the lead-in with that was, I think we may differ on this one a little bit, but mm-hmm. I hate to hedge my bets, but... You know, the interesting points in that talk was niche just wasn't about, oh, I'm going to do it for our profession-wise. Oh, I'm going to do women's health. Oh, I'm going to do sports training. Oh, I'm going to do lymphedema. You know, niche niche to me means customer service these days. And if you follow me on Twitter, you see me screaming about branding or screaming because I like to use all caps on Twitter. Right. Um, You see me talking about branding. Um, You see me talking about customer service. And to me, a niche in physical therapy, I, I feel, is a customer service-driven business. And um, I work really hard on that. We work really hard, San Francisco Sports Science Physical Therapy, on that. I believe um, part of my business, or a large part of my business, is based on the fact of my customer service approach to the business. And um, I'll be happy to point out the many clinics that aren't doing the same thing and not quite. And then when you talk to them, they're not quite sure why why they aren't doing well, mm-hmm. especially in the hospital settings. Sure. Um, hospital settings are, the, um, are not filling that niche for sure. They're filling, you know, another need, but they're definitely not filling that niche. So I think, I think something like customer service. Um, another thing uh, just to throw out there real quick is, uh, is the one-on-one physical therapy, um, mm-hmm. putting the patients in touch with the person who can make them the bestest, the quickest, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, to me, that kind of comes back to that customer service side. It has a lot to do with how you sell it. You can sell anything um, anyway, but that's that's the niche I see. And again, it's not specific to the type of practice you open. Mm-hmm. It can be specific to the business model and the approach you take with it. So what are some examples of, let's say, customer service that you promote it in your clinic that maybe you're not seeing in others, and what sort of sets your clinic apart and makes you successful? Uh, well, there's two things that stand out. You'll, um, you know, someone answers the phone. 
um, literally every time as when you call as a patient. So you're not going to go straight into a phone tree to ask mm-hmm. you if you're a new or returning patient or things like that. That, that to me, is still a huge day because even when I call my dentist who has a small practice, I still get the phone tree. Yeah. The second thing is if you do not schedule with my practice, um, within seven to ten days, you'll get a call back from one of the principals of the practice Mm -hmm. offering assistance with getting you scheduled somewhere else that would, shall we say, offer, um, quality is not my favorite word, but is going to offer the same level of care that we would have offered. Mm -hmm. Because if your provider sent you to us, it's important to me that you find the right place. Now, right now, I'm personally following up with every single person who does not schedule with us to see if I can help them find another practice to Mm -hmm. schedule that. Yeah, or to see maybe why they haven't scheduled or... Well, I pretty much know at that point because uh-huh. I collect that at the beginning. I so see. I'm able to reach out to them um, again and say, hey, I know you did not schedule with us for this reason. I so see. would you like me to help you find a place that can accommodate you with the with that, you know, with that um, point in mind? Right. And uh, I get a handful, about half of them follow up. The other half just say they're impressed that, someone actually called them back Mm. that's not their experience with Mm -hmm. something like this Mm -hmm. yeah no i think that's great that's a great feature and and hopefully people who have a private practice are listening to that one and can kind of implement that in their own clinics and okay so larry what about you what is your your thought on the niche uh the niche market in physical therapy and how do you approach that um, you know, first, uh, I agree with Jerry. You know, you have these provocative discussions in private practice section, and they mean different things to, to, to both folks. So I don't know that I necessarily buy into that there's an either-or mm-hmm. uh, ACO or niche um, approach. I, I, I think that's oftentimes self-limiting. Um, in terms of niche practices, I do think that there's a tendency to over-specialize in any industry. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I mean, I'm still from the, I'm old enough to remember when, when toothpaste just cleaned teeth. Now it either, you know, whitens, <laughs> control, good breath, and everything else. And so you're, so what we tend to do is over-segment our specialties to the point where our audiences are smaller and smaller. Mm. Well, the beauty of physical therapy is that musculoskeletal problems are still the leading cost drivers. And you literally have surgery, injections, you know, pain medication, or us, we're the alternative. So uh, from my standpoint, we don't need to niche industry anything. Low back pain, if we just solve 25% of low back pain problems in the United States, we'll save gazillions of dollars right. for payers and, 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 and the disabilities of, of and the pain of, of patients. So I'm more of a believer in our niche is in the musculoskeletal realm. Um, beyond that, like Jerry, we take a very um, customer service approach to our business. You know, Peter Drucker said the purpose of a business is to create a customer. And like Jerry, our practice tends tries to model, you know, the purpose of a business is for a customer to create another customer. And you do that through service. Um, sure. We view it as three, three legs of a stool. We believe clinical excellence has merit, uh, board certification, evidence-based practice, um, we, we feel real strongly and confidently that that, that is meaningful in the marketplace. Uh, we believe, secondly, that service excellence, uh, you know, like Jerry alluded to, is, is very, very rare in healthcare and even rare in physical therapy. It's an assumption. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to systematize. We have a customer service program called Amazing Customer Service. It's trademarked. It has 10 service principles. We teach it 
you know, we define it, teach it, live it, monitor it, reward it, you know, constantly try to re-engineer it. And then the, the third leg of the stool that we've recently come upon, and it's been through, you know, seeking, again, the truth and putting the odds of success in your favor, which is uh, uh, the, the emphasis in the social sciences within positive psychology and communication, mm-hmm. and, and we're, calling it, we're calling it care excellence. And so we've embarked on a program called uh, Amazing, Kind, Compassionate, and Positive because while we think those things come naturally to practitioners, if they do, they certainly aren't exhibiting it. And secondly, the system, whether it be, you know, 20-some percent of your time on paperwork, insurance, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all the different rules and superimposed rules tend to drive people away mm-hmm. from the very fact that we've got a three-dimensional patient we're working on the other end who has, you know, expressed needs and unexpressed needs, and, and they're coming to us with problems. So we need to have empathy and we need to have high-quality connections. Um, so those are areas that we, you know, we try to focus on. Yeah, and I mean, I think you you hope that your therapist has the empathy and the caring and the and is able to communicate. You know, and and again, I don't like empathy, not that that's something that can be taught, but maybe nurtured. But, you know, I'm a big believer in communication and the way you communicate with someone from everything from your verbal to your nonverbal communication sort of sets the standard for the moment you walk into the door of your clinic, that person, your new patient should feel cared for and should feel safe and should feel comfortable. And that goes with everything from your communication, verbal and nonverbal, to the person who is sitting at your front desk to kind of make that, that patient feel like they're in the right spot. And, and also goes a long way, and this is a, a whole other talk, but go, goes a long way to, to, I think, making them feel better. You know, sort of decreasing their fear about coming into physical therapy and everything else. That's a whole other talk. But at any rate, you, you kind of know it. I, so just to say, Larry, I, I completely agree with, with all three parts of your stool. Thank you. Um, so let's see. Here is another question um, that was from Twitter, and it's from Adrian in Uganda. And he is just starting out his private practice. And what's the best way to get clients to into my doorstep? Which I think that is probably a question that a lot of physical therapists want to know. How do you get patients to your doorstep? How do you get that patient in for the initial evaluation? So I'll, you know, let let either one of you guys can kind of start on that. I'll go ahead, Jerry. Jerry's the marketing uh, yeah. wing of his practice, so it's. Uh, the enlightening problem. You know, Larry, uh, th- this is good. Thank God I'm on with someone else. I'm going to tell you this right now because I got, I got my notebook open, by the way, and I've already, I drew a three-legged stool and just filled it in while Larry was talking. <laughs> uh-huh. But Larry, uh, he, yeah, there was a great point there, back to the niche question, yeah. you know, is that untapped potential of those low back pain patients, I believe... Uh, Jeff Hathaway, but let me just go back because I'm going to I'm going to answer your marketing question. I tend to kind of take this long way around sometimes. Uh, Jeff Hathaway and John Childs did an awesome job at PPS bringing all this data forward about the low back patients and the downstream savings. Um, what coupled that with a tweet that Jason Richardson had sent out not two hours before the talk was this huge. Eruption, call it what you want, foundation for this educational program that my partner and I have now put together and are running a whole marketing program off of. 
And that is when you take all that research by Jeff Hathaway and John Childs that they presented on, and the fact that depending on who you talk to them and around to a number, 10% of all the low back patients who can benefit from physical therapy actually make it to physical therapy, there's your marketing program. So who do we educate? You educate the public. So put a plan in place for marketing the public. Put a plan in place for marketing the providers because even if you have direct access, the leverage point for your marketing program is still with providers because Mm -hmm. they're still the first stop for people with low back pain. So the best way to get that patient in my door is to educate, 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 educate Mm -hmm. about what I do and what value I will give to you by you seeking me out for your low back pain. And by the way, I can give a huge amount of value provided to the provider by getting them to send me the patient. Mm -hmm. Because your patient will be happy that you sent them to me because I'm gonna take good care of them and get them better. You're not gonna give them the drugs, you're not gonna give them the shots, you're not gonna send them to the spine surgeon for a two month wait who says, what are you doing here? Mm educate and really show that value and know who you're marketing to. I, I get on this topic a lot, the provider versus the public. Right. That's the way to get that person in your door. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, also finding who your sort of ideal customer is, I think in order to get that person in the door as the as the physical therapist, you have to know who is your ideal customer. Who, and Like you said, who are you targeting? Because the way you would market to a physician is far different than the way you would market to the everyday person. So being able to, as the therapist, being able to really, really know down to the core of who your ideal customer is, I think will open many doors for you and get, and get a lot of people in. Great point, Karen. I totally agree. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and um, when we come back, we'll continue with our um, discussion on on the business side of physical therapy. So everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, Hour. at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. I'm joined today by Jerry Durham and Larry Benz, both great physical therapists talking about the business side of physical therapy. And as I'm going through the show, I'm thinking we're going to have to do like four more shows to get all of this, to get a lot of these uh, questions, answers, and, and, and information in. It just, one show is not enough. Um, okay, so guys, here's a question for you. Um, you know, in of course, in the end, when you're running a business... Obviously, part of what you want is to make money because, you know, you have to pay your employees and you have to live your life. Um, But now with insurance companies reimbursing less and less for physical therapy care, at least they are here in New York State. I don't know about San Francisco and and Kentucky, but, um, you know, a lot of insurance companies have cut their rates to physical therapy in half. Medicare rates um, are dropping as well. And, and of course, a talk on Medicare would be, again, a whole other show. Um, But how do you, with insurance companies reimbursing less and less, how do you keep your profits up without sacrificing the care of your patients? So I'll let either one of you, maybe Larry, if you want to kind of start how do you sort of keep a business afloat but not sacrifice that patient care? Well, it's a great question, and as you alluded to, the different states have different requirements. Yeah. You know, for example, New, you know, the states that tend to be the most regulated have the lowest reimbursement. And so New York is a very, very difficult market because it has high regulatory issues and low reimbursement. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say as a, as a general proviso that I think you – make better profits by not focusing on profits. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I've, I've really, and in, in, in certainly in my career and in the career of people I trust inside and outside our industry, have found a relationship between people who focus on profits and profitability. I think, I think that happens as a result of doing other things well. Um, having, having said that, you have to look at the constraints of the business and the industry, um, all the internal, external uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, the, the so-called borders, five forces and threats and barriers of entry and all these kind of things. And when you do that, you then have to work on business models that are successful. Well, there's, there's, you have several options um, on business models. And, you know, I will tell you that, that for most of our practices, we tend to be very busy outpatient-centric, uh, orthopedically aligned um, uh, facilities. And so within that realm, um, you know, we have found that we have to focus on a very systematized approach to the, to the business, whether that be scheduling, whether that be our customer service system, the way we hire, recruit, the way we emphasize our culture. And at the end of the day, sometimes you have to say no to certain reimbursement, mm-hmm. which is very much against the grain of physical therapists who tend to be sort of Peace Corps genetically yeah. encoded uh, individuals. Yeah. But Um, it's not any different than other businesses where you have to say no to certain customers. So we try to focus in on identifying where we see the biggest needs are. We think that, you know, our our comfort level is trying to grow the business or grow revenues rather than, let's think of 18 different ways tomorrow where we can cut costs. Mm -hmm. So we're always thinking growth. That would be, uh, you know, my first general saying. Secondly, I think we try to systematize and make scalable entities within us, whether that be, again, the way we recruit, um, you know, the way we, we train our therapists, the way we market. Um, so bringing scalability, I think, helps. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third general way is that we focus on 
um, a segment of our customers that are better paying higher reimbursement, mm-hmm. um, you know, clients or insurance or payers, and, and, and allow us to work within the freedom and autonomy of decision making for our PTs, realizing that not every patient needs an hour on the schedule, mm-hmm. um, that our highest valued use of the physical therapist is their brain. Um, you know, they go home, they have tennis shoes, they're the assets of the practice. So we try to give them the tools and resources and flexibility and the empowerment that they need for decision-making on what's in the best interest of the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. And how about Jerry? How about you? Any, any, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Larry obviously made excellent points there and all so important. Um, I'm going to go just one step deeper, being he went a little, a little bit above. Um, what's really important in my practice is every single one of my PTs and every single one of my front office people have at least one, if not two, accountabilities mm-hmm. that tie in directly to the company KPIs, which are our key performance indicators. Okay. And they know what their role is within the company to make sure that those KPI goals, and we're totally transparent from top to bottom. Any PTs can see the OC uh, office coordinators data, the office coordinator see the PT's info. So it it really is a team approach, but everybody has to know their accountabilities Mm -hmm. of what it is they need to do to make sure that we all get paid every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then um, meeting with them once a week to make, to hold them accountable. So knowing your accountabilities and then holding people accountable. Right. So, so what I, what I'm getting at least a little bit from both of you is, is really making sure that the therapist and that the team that is working with you has sort of that you're all on the same page and all working towards the same goal. And that in and of itself will help the profitability of your company. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, Jerry alluded to to just the whole accountability structure and transparency, which is to say that, you know, everybody has to be playing from the same uh, playbook. Mm Mm-hmm. it's not any different than uh, an offensive coordinator's dilemma in a football game. So the, the, each player has to know um, their, their individual assignments within each play. And, and that same thing works in business. Mm-hmm. And that is that, you know, you can't, you no longer can have a top down, you know, what business model, what are our margins, what are we trying to do? Everybody needs to understand right. at the end of the day, you know, no margin, no mission. Um, it's not the profitability isn't the focus. But at the same time, hold yourself accountable to key mm-hmm. performance indicators and certain benchmarks. Keep them simple, but keep everybody informed and everybody in communication and collaboration with one another. Right. And I think that also makes for kind of a, a happier workplace. You know, you don't, you sort of, it kind of takes away perhaps a, a competition element within the workplace. Um that I think can can be a little maybe divis, uh, divisive within the workplace, and and is not is certainly not going to help your business move forward. Uh, I I agree. Everybody knows everybody knows each other's accountabilities, mm-hmm. and no one's no one's accountability, shall we say, are different. Mm-hmm. But you know that the PTs you're sitting in the office with, you all have the same goal for number of visits by the end of the month, right? And everybody sees each other. And by the way, that fosters, my God, getting people to ask for help in this. Um, so it, mo- most of my PTs come out, or most all my employees, we have to do a fair amount of training and education on help is not a four-letter word. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. Mm-hmm. And if 
the person sitting on your left is actually hitting their goals monthly and you're not, shouldn't you be asking them how they're doing that? Sure. And so um, I've had a tough time with a couple of people and really had to make some breakthroughs because uh, with, um, so they understand that. But really it opens up a team, a true team. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Michigan tonight when you see how well <laughs> they play as a team. When they beat Louisville, it brings up a nice, good team environment. Sure, sure. Um, now, and that kind of brings me to another question, uh, talking about productive therapists. And this is from Alex in Tampa, Florida. And he was, his question was, how do you or do you even, I just added that in, set up a bonus structure for a productive therapist? Which, you know, I think my first question was define productive but, you know, do you guys believe in setting up a bonus structure for productivity? Larry, you want to start that? Yeah, I, I would say a belief. Um, I don't know if this is the right word. I think that you implement practices like that where it makes sense mm-hmm. and where it aligns with your culture. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have many of our practices that the therapists have a variable component to their payment that involves their productivity. Mm-hmm. So there's a base, there's a baseline expectation um, derived by a collaborative method of, you know, how many patients a day does it make sense to, to see, generally speaking, with the payer mix that we have? Mm-hmm. And if they go above and beyond that, um, we, we do set aside a variable component to the pay of that. But that's not the, the main emphasis of the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while I, I believe that you have to... Um, address compensation issues because, you know, let's face it, two-thirds of your expense and over 50% of a visit cost goes to the, the main assets of the practice, which are your labor in any mm-hmm. service business. Mm-hmm. So we do address it, but I will say that it's in, in other situations where it's not culturally aligned right. with, with, our, with our values, um, we, it's not a mandated uh, uh, practice is probably another way of saying it. Okay. Yeah. And Jerry? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting. All I can say is on this is if you believe a, um, if you believe a bonus plan is a good idea because it's something that would drive you and you started the business, mm-hmm. you need to, um, you need to talk to your employees and you need to talk to other people first. What I found is all, I personally, my own personal take on this. What I found is, as business owners, we all love the idea. As mm-hmm. employees, I'm finding it hard to find people who really like the idea. Right, right. I mean, the thing that, the, the negative part of that that comes into my head is, you know, if I see, if I am, whatever productive means, if productivity means patient visits, and, and you can go above and beyond that, if, is there the danger of the therapist then breaking down? You know, because they're they want to see if let's I'm just going to make up an arbitrary number here. But if 10 is the goal, but if you see 15, you can get more money like I would think your your therapist. And and like Larry said, your main asset to your company may start to break down physically and mentally. And then that does not translate well into patient care or customer service, which, as we said before, are really the the center points of having a successful private practice. But that's just my opinion. I don't Good know. Good point. Good point. Um, as a side note on that, sure. um, Drive Drive by Daniel Pink. Um, and you can actually go on YouTube and search Daniel Pink uh, mm-hmm. Drive and just watch the whiteboard presentation. He makes some great points based on behavioral psych and things like that about mm-hmm. 
what truly motivates people. Right. Right, right. Yeah. So at any rate, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have our sort of our last segment. This has flown by. Um, So everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at monty at montytaylor.com. That's monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at montytaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and, and, and I am joined today by Jerry Durham and Larry Benz. Um, so, uh, let's see. This is Unfortunately, this is sort of the last segment here, so we're going to kind of start wrapping things up. Um, so, this was another question, and I think now is kind of a good time to ask this, and this is from Nick Nordvecht in Tennessee, and I probably just butchered his last name, so Nick, I really apologize. Um, but what is the one piece of advice you'd give a physical therapy physical therapist considering opening a solo private practice? So, Larry, I'll have you start. Well, my first piece of advice would be to make sure you do your homework, uh, that it's not just an emotional decision that you've got a sound basis for understanding your costs, understanding the market, understanding the needs that, that you're trying to meet, and um, make sure you put a good effort. That would be advice tip number one is do your homework. Secondly, would you put a team around you, whether that be via consulting or outsourcing of services or whatever, a good accountant uh, and, and somebody who understands reimbursement, because there are too many tentacles out there way more information than one person uh, can mm-hmm. know or handle. And so you need a, a deep bench strength of uh, resources. 
And then uh, number three is, is, you know, know your passion and your strengths mm -hmm. and um, uh, go for it, you know, but don't bypass steps one and two. Right. And how about you, Jerry? What's your number one? What would be your piece of advice? Well, again, I completely agree with Larry on all that. Um, one advice by the E-Myth by Michael Gerber by Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And we'll go just go from there. Yeah, and and let's see, there was another, oh, here's another question. Um, Brian Finch had the question is, has the traditional model of physical therapy or medical necessity um, to counter insurance fraud decreased physical therapy opportunities? So I, am a, so I think, you know, has, has the traditional model of how physical therapists have always practice, do you feel like that's decreased opportunities for physical therapists, let's say, in, in private practice specifically? It is, Larry. I'm not 100% sure I understand the question, but I think it, it, it is around the issue of the fact that re the requirement, and I'll use Medicare as an example, yeah. that you have to have documented medical necessity. Mm -hmm. Has that infringed upon the expanded scope of practice of a physical therapist? Yeah, yeah, that's and, right, yeah. And, yeah, and I, and I think it has. I do think Medicare has recognized this sort of well-being visit, but I've yet to find a PT practice that's thriving on Medicare well-being visits. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really take the notion, and this probably won't surprise you, that you know you have to understand, pay attention, and oblige the insurance carriers, but mm -hmm. you can't begin to think like them. Right. And so you have to think... You know, based on your experience as a therapist, your understanding and your, your education and tools and, and things that are available for you, and not be limited by other people's short-sighted thinking. So while, in theory, certain insurance companies gravely restrict mm -hmm. the scope and practice of a PT, it doesn't mean that we have to as a profession. Right. But I think as, as part of the profession, it's just so frustrating, you know, to kind of to it's almost like losing your autonomy a little bit you know it feels like you're losing that autonomy because all of a sudden as a physical therapist and as the professional the healthcare professional taking care of that patient you kind of sometimes it feels like you can't do what you feel is best for the patient because you're so restricted by the insurance company you know Oh, that's, that's exactly right, and it's what I call a thinking trap, uh -huh. which is the sub subject of a webinar we've got coming up, and the thinking trap is, is you begin to think like an insurance company. Yeah. And I think we, we limit our profession by our own unraveling when we, when we fall into that trap. And the biggest evidence that I see of that is within our own profession, we, we have two sides of the mouth, one which argues that PT should be given um, – you know, unfettered direct access right. to patients, a point, a point which I vehemently agree with. And then on the same same side, of, then the other side of the mouth says, oh, but we need to limit the decision-making of a PT to who they can direct services to. Mm. Um, and we need to adopt Medicare rules as the standards. And we need to right. do all these very, you know, rigid guidelines and rules that really limit our practice. And, mm -hmm. and oftentimes we've bought into the insurance company and, and, and some of our biggest enemies are our own, uh, professional therapists that are, are trying to restrict our own practice in, the, in, ver in very much the same way the insurance companies are, mm -hmm. ironically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's certainly, we can talk for hours just on this subject alone, um, but unfortunately we only have like five more minutes. 
Um, sorry, make that four. Um, so before we have to sign off, um, I just want to get information from you guys as to where can someone get in touch with you? Where is the best place to get in touch with you guys if anyone wants to follow up or, or ask questions? So, Larry, go, why don't you go ahead first? Well, I think um, it's pretty fair to say I'm, I'm, I'm very transparent. So at Physical Therapy on Twitter uh, is, is the best way to really access me. Great. Um, you know, the, we have websites at Evidence in Motion, ptdevelopmentllc.com, Breakthrough Physical Therapy, and the others. But um, I'm not typically a very hard person to reach. Right. And how about you, Jerry? What's the best way to get in touch with you? <laughs> at Jerry underscore Durham PT on Twitter. I swear to God. And I'll be happy to give up my cell phone. But you know, <laughs> if I'm on my cell phone, I probably have Twitter open. Do right. not email me, please, because I will not find you. Right, right, right. So Twitter, and, and, you know, and truth be told, this is, I found, you know, has started following you guys on Twitter and have really learned a lot. And, and, you know, I asked Larry, even before he came on the show, I'm like, how did you get that Twitter handle? Like, you must have been like one of the first hundred people to join Twitter to get at physical therapy, you know? And, and Larry, when you were early on to Twitter, is that right? Uh, yeah, it was. It's a, actually a, a, a fun story. I know we don't have time to, to, to tell you about it, but I, I will. Yeah, I was very, very early adopter of Twitter. Right. Um, and and uh, met the founder in a very uh, at a conference and, and uh, had heard of it just right. You know, shortly after they started, and shortly before South by Southwest, where it really took its initial traction. You know, a decent number of years ago now. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I was like, how do you get that? How do you get at physical therapy? That's wild. Anyway, um, so like I said before, before we end, I will give you each a couple of seconds to talk about who you think will win tonight's game and why. Jerry, go ahead. Michigan or Louisville? Well, Michigan, because they wear the blue. (laughs) Fair enough. And Larry? Well, as you you know, in keeping with the theme of today's talking, putting the odds in your favor, uh-huh. uh, you know, I would go with University of Louisville. They've been ranked number one. They were ranked number one in the Big East. They won the Big East championship. Michigan uh, was seeded five in the Big Ten and didn't didn't come close to winning the Big Ten championship. They've been fourth seed in this tournament and have had a great run, and they've mm-hmm. got an absolutely terrific team and a very well-coached team. should be a great spectator game. Yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, both my mind and my heart on this one. It's uh-huh. going to be Louisville. All right. Don't forget they're coached by the freaking vampires. Anybody notice how much Rick Pitino resembles a vampire the more <laughs> he loses? I think he's losing. I mean, the more he wins, I think he's selling his soul a little every step of the way there, Larry. I, I'm just saying. I think that's evidence-based, by the way, because I think a lot of people agree with me. Well, he just got inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame. Official notice was today, so um, I'm I'm not disagreeing with his uh, with his brilliance. I'm just saying he's starting to look a little more like a vampire. That <laughs> <laughs> might be helpful in today's game, actually. It might be helpful. Yes, he can in- invoke a little bit of you know a higher power for the game. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for for coming on today, and I I thought everything was great, and unfortunately we can talk about this stuff on and on but thanks for taking the time out and hopefully we'll get you guys back on on the show soon so thank you very much thank you thank you Sharon. all right yeah, and every, thanks larry and and thank ev- you, everyone thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week right here at talkingalternative.com and stay healthy wealthy and smart <laughs> You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We, we are, are certified, certified mediators. mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. TalkingAlternative.com 